Well, good morning, everybody. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Stars. We begin a brand new series today called Upstream. To do anything of significance means you're gonna have to move against the current a little bit. To do anything that matters, to do anything that lasts, means we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to fight upstream a little bit. If we're going downstream, it's easy. Upstream is not always easy, and that is where we find Paul in the book of Acts. So I want you to take your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 17 today. Acts chapter 17, on the way in, you are given a, uh, two things, you're given a little card, right, that your little uh, comment card there and, and decision card that we'll keep handy, but you are also given sermon notes. So go ahead and pull those sermon notes out. Those will be our guide as we work along. Uh, it gives you something to write on. Uh, if you've got the North Star Church app, that is a great way to follow along. North Star Church Georgia in the App Store. All of those things help us because, listen, ladies and gentlemen, can we all agree, living in this world is not easy. Can I get it, amen? It's just not. It is not easy. I just did a, a child, two, three child dedications just here a few minutes ago between services. Being a parent now and raising children in this world is harder than it's ever been right? Being a child. So Friday, I am speaking in Dahlonega, Georgia at 8 a.m. Dear Jesus, what was I thinking when I booked that deal? But anyway, so I'm in Dahlonega at 8 a.m. Friday speaking to a group of seniors, right? So speaking to high school seniors at a high school in Dahlonega, Georgia. I have the only thing I have in common with them is I was a senior one time. That's the only thing we have in common. But being a senior in 1987, when I was a senior, all right, it was always heaven in 87. But anyway, so being a senior when I was a senior and being a senior in 2022, two totally different worlds. What these kids face, what these kids go through, what they're experiencing. We were introduced to, for, we went from eight tracks to cassettes to CDs. Right, how many of y'all remember getting a CD player in your car? Or you've just aged yourself, everybody's judging you, all right? And so, but I do too. But listen, the world these kids live in, man, it's totally different. What they have to face is totally different than what I had to face. Being a believer in this world. And so if you and I go, I wanna live for Jesus where I work, play, and live, it's gonna be upstream, and that's what we're gonna talk about, Acts Chapter 17, so here's how it's gonna work this morning. There's a lot, I'm gonna read a lot, okay? I'm gonna stop and talk because the content that we're gonna hit today is we gotta know it, we gotta get it. I can't, I can't just skip over any of it. If you're, a, if you're in WAVE and you're in college, you've got to get this in this world that we live in. We've watched Paul, we've watched Paul on his journeys, Nothing has been easy. They've all been God's, Paul's gone right where God wanted him and none of it's been easy. Last week we found him in Thessalonica and you remember the people ran him out saying they serve another king, King Jesus, not King Caesar, right? And so they're running him out of town and we pick up the story. Acts 17, verse number 10 and we're gonna read for a little while then I'll have you stand here shortly. If you're, if you're normal here at North Shore, you know that I'll, I'll get you to stand here right at the end. But here we go. Acts 17, verse 10. Here we go. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. So 
Thessalonica, things get a little hairy. They pull Jason out when the believers where they were living. So they get Paul and Silas out and they travel from Thessalonica to Berea. Basically, they go from city center to city outside, right? So they go from metropolitan Thessalonica to Berea, which was a small town. It's about 20 miles away. But it was a smaller area. Time out, real quick. There will be points in your life that you think God's lost his mind, all right? There's gonna be points in your life where you're going through something, you're like, I think God forgot me. How many of y'all have ever gone through something and felt like the Lord forgot you, all right? Paul had to have felt this. They go from where all the people are, 70,000 people in this Thessalonica era, area, area to Berea, which is, you know, I mean, it's just a small little town sitting there 20 miles away. Here we go. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. That's what they did everywhere they went. And the people of Berea, they were open-minded, more than those in Thessalonica. And I love this part. And they listened, what's the next word? They listened eagerly to Paul's message. In fact, here's the image that's in my brain. They leaned into what Paul had to say. Right? So when I go and I speak, and I speak to a lot of, of, of athletic teams and schools and business groups, and, and it's always interesting when you see people listen eagerly. It's like you know that they're truly, they're leaning in. They were leaning in to what Paul was preaching. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were telling the truth. And as a result, many Jews believed as did many of the prominent Greek, men, Greek women and men. So while they were listening, they were going, okay, how does, this, how does this correlate to what we've learned from what we know is now is the Old Testament? And they matched it up, verse 13. But when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and they stirred up trouble. They didn't want people hearing. You found this sort of going on through all their journeys. The believers acted at once. They sent Paul out to the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind. All right, everybody look at me. Paul was the commodity. He was the commodity. He was the one that the Jews were going after. Silas and Timothy are collateral damage. Paul is the one that they want. He's the one they're trying to take out. Because he was the one that had converted from what he believed in Judaism to following Christ. And he's really sort of the, he's the thorn in their flesh. So they get Paul out of town. Silas and Timothy stayed to keep going with these believers. They get Paul out. Verse 15. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to where? What does it say? Say it again. Where did they go? Athens, not Georgia. I know all you Georgia fans think everything revolves around Athens, Georgia. It does not, all right? So this is, this, is, this is the other Athens, right, over across and uh, on, the, on the sea there. And this area was an interesting area Paul ended up in because it was very educated. It was very uh, leading thoughts came out of Athens. Look at what it says. They returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join them. If you were to have gone, everybody time out, everybody just look up. If you were to have gone and done a, a street interview and you would have gone through the city of Athens and you would have asked this question, are you spiritual people? The answer would have been yes. 
If you would have asked the question in Athens, are you interested in who God is? The people would have gone, oh, absolutely. I'm very interested in who God is. The problem with it was they were chasing after the wrong things. And you're gonna see it here. While Paul was waiting, verse 16, for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. So what are idols? So idols back then were set up Idols are anything you hope you can put your faith in. That's what idols were. There were 30, most scholars think, over 30,000 idols that were in that area of Athens. So Paul notices, I mean, you couldn't help but walk around and notice it. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews, the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He had a debate with some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and the resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? He seems to be preaching about foreign gods. They took him to the high council. Come tell us about the new teaching. You're saying strange things and we wanna know. It should be explained that all Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas and then Paul makes the turn and it heats up. In fact, most people would tell you it's one of the greatest speeches ever made because of what's contained. And I love a great speech. John Meacham's a great presidential historian. He has a podcast where he does all the greatest speeches of all time. This, if you had audio of it, this would be one of those. And I want you to listen to Paul. Remember, everybody look at me. He's by himself. His people aren't there. So it's not like Paul's got a posse of guys around him. Paul is legitimately standing on his own in the middle of this area. And listen to what he said. Men of Athens, I noticed you are very, what's the next word? In every way. Yes or no question. Can you be religious without a relationship to the Lord, yes or no? It fits America perfectly. You can be very religious, but not know the Lord. Paul identifies with him, he says, I see you're very religious in every way, for as I was walking around, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this in scripture, to an unknown God. And you can hear Paul pause. This God whom you worship without knowing, He's the one I'm telling you about. He's the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he's the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He gives himself life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. From one man he created all nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and when they should fall and he determined their boundaries and then Paul goes in. Would y'all stand with me today in honor of reading God's word word together and I I want you to get what Paul said. This is so good. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him because he's not far from any of them. For in him we live and we move and we exist. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone 
God overlooked people's ignorance about these things at earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to, what's the next word? Of their sins and turn towards him. So basically, Paul's going, if you are following after a man-made idol, you're going the wrong direction. And God expects you, this is not how you win friends. All right, that God expects you to repent. He expects you to turn, for he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he's appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Everybody look at me. Who was he talking about? You never go wrong with that answer, church, do you? All right, so Jesus is who he's talking about, right? Listen to what he says. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. Why did they laugh in contempt? Because they were religious. When you're religious, you have an answer for everything. But others said, we want to hear more about this later. And that ended Paul's discussion. Some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysus, a member of the council, and a woman named Damaris, and others with him. Some believed, some didn't. Nothing changed in the message, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Right where you're standing today in Compass True North out on the patio, wherever you're listening from today, would you ask the Lord to speak to you? Would you? Would you ask the Lord to prod your heart for upstream living? Would you? Father, you hear our prayers, you hear our cries, and you hear our hearts. Father, may we know today we have met with you. And Father, that is my prayer, and I pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, before you're seated, find one person around you and say, I sure am glad I didn't have to stand for all that rating. All right, do that real quick, and you be seated. Up. Stream living. Here's what I want. This is our baseline. Ready? In the world that we live in, to live for Jesus and to do things his way, it's going to be opposite the direction the world's going. So tomorrow I'll stand in this room. It'll be lunch with a leader. We'll have 135, 140 business, community, government, police, education leaders that'll be here that are are saying, I want to do things God's way. When we do things God's way, it is opposite of the world's way, right? So the world says, when you become the CEO, we'll just take that of an organization, you become the leader of these people. But if we're going to lead God's way, it would say, then we just have more people to serve, right? I mean, that's ultimately what it means because it's opposite. I want you to write this down in your outline, then we're going to dive in. Ready? God prepared me for this season and this time. I want you to write this down. God prepared me for this season and this time. God prepared me for this season and this time. You are not here by accident. 
You are not a parent in this generation by accident. You're not a coach in this generation by accident. You're not a friend in this generation by accident. God prepared you for this season time. You, you take, take the book of Acts. Acts happened. The Acts of the apostles, so many of them happened because of Paul. Paul was the right man at the right time in the right generation. It, it took Paul. I think sometimes we look at this and we go, well, I don't know if I've got what it takes. I want everybody to look at me. God thinks you have what it takes. He thinks you do. I remember years ago, it was a Friday night football chapel. We had a kid that had been a JV quarterback. He was becoming a varsity quarterback. He was going to be uh, in his first varsity game. We were play, play, playing a perennial state power that year to open the year and all the kids were in the room and I was doing the life of Joshua and I said be strong and very courageous you need courage when you feel fear and I looked at this kid who's a quarterback and I said how many of y'all are nervous about him being our quarterback tonight and every hand in the room went up and including his all right and so he was right and that's how we feel sometimes right didn't make the coaches feel any better, but that's how we feel sometimes. We're scared. Listen, God thinks you can do it. So it's not a question if you can or can't. It's a question if you're willing. Here's three things I think will help us be upstream in this downstream world. Number one, number one, anchor to Scripture. Stay anchored. The world that we live in is constantly changing. Stay anchored to Scripture. Why? Because it's unchanging. I want you to write a little phrase down, blurred lines. We live in a world of blurred lines. It's hard, you know, it's hard to say something's right or it's wrong. It's somebody's opinion. It's very blurry. Scripture is not blurry. Stay anchored to Scripture. Stay anchored to the things that matter. Here's what that means for us. I want you to write this little thought down. Get in God's Word every day. You need to get a little dose of God's Word every day. The only way I stay anchored to something is if I stay connected to it, right? It's great to have an anchor, but if I don't connect to that anchor, what do we do? What happens to a boat? If you don't throw down the anchor, the boat's gonna drift. We drift in this life because we're not anchored to something that is steadfast and it's sure and it's true. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a world to say that God's word is what we anchor to. It's not a popular notion. I've had a lot of conversations sitting in my office with people about topics and things that they're going through, and they're like, Mike, what's your opinion on them? And I'm like, really, it's irrelevant what my opinion is. Here's what we believe God teaches about it, and it's not, it's not a popular thing. Stay anchored to Scripture. God left us this word to be the guardrails of our lives. It was good for our grandparents and our parents and their grandparents and their parents. Why? Because it's unchanging. Life changes fast. Can we all agree with that? Life changes fast. 
Did you ever dream when you were growing up you would be watching television on eight million apps, not on network? Do you know what I'm talking about? You're always having to, have y'all noticed this is a scam, all right? And so I've got more apps than I could have if I just paid one cable bill. But anyways, so that's what happens. I never would have dreamed that. Well, life's changing, right? It's constantly changing. This is unchanging. What God has said was true then and it's true now. It is your anchor point. We say this all the time. If you ever walk in the doors of this building and we're talking about things that are not in God's word, you need to go. Because we're putting our hope into things that aren't gonna last. Place your anchor in what lasts. Life is fickle, ladies and gentlemen. God is not fickle. See, it's so funny how we'll listen to our feelings, how we'll listen to our emotions. Our feelings lie to us. They don't always tell us the truth. How we feel at 8 a.m. may not be how I feel at 1. I remember when Mary Michael was off at college and she would be having a bad day and she would text Ann, I'm having the worst day. I don't have any friends. Pray for me. I'm so lonely. I mean, she's eight hours from home and man, Ann and I are praying and we'd call her that evening. What are you doing? Oh, I'm out with friends. I can't talk right now. I mean, good night. We're dying down here, right? We're dying down here. You can't, play, you can't place your emotion and feelings, man. You can't place the basis of who you are and how you feel. Don't ever anchor to a person. Don't ever put your anchor in me. I'm gonna let you down. I will let you down. Don't anchor in a person. Look up to people, great. Don't put your anchor in people. Put your anchor in God's word. I love how it said it. It said, the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. They listened eagerly They searched the scriptures to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. So they took what Paul and Silas said and then they compared it to what prophecies were of the coming Messiah and they went, okay, these jokers are telling the truth, right? Anchor in God's word. Number two, keep your message simple. Keep your message simple. We live in a religious world world. We live in a spiritual world, but it doesn't necessarily mean people know who Jesus is. In fact, I would tell you there are people that sit in church Sunday after Sunday. They have no idea who Jesus is. You're going to hear a story in a few weeks on a Live Sent video about somebody. That was the story of their dad. Sat in church Sunday after Sunday but didn't know Jesus. So as we're telling the story in this upstream world, keep the message simple. Everybody look at me. This is not meant to be complicated. This is not meant for the learned to get it. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room to know Jesus, okay? The other week, I did um, Kennesaw Business Association Scholarship. I'm the MC which means I've got to read, I think there's 25 kids won scholarships. One of the girls had a 4.725 GPA. If you put my high school with my college, all right, I don't think I'd be a 4.725. Thankfully, you don't, have to be, you don't have to be at the top of the class to know Jesus. 
This isn't complicated. What it is, is this for everybody. I love how Paul said, he is near to us all. He's near. We think somehow if it's not complicated, then we're missing something. No, 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 no. If you know these three things, ready? I want you to put them up on the screen behind me. And I love this because it's so simple. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus died for our sins. If all I know is he died for me, I can get it. He rose from the dead, which we celebrated last week. And he offers forgiveness and eternal life for all of us. We're in a world where people don't know that. John 3.16 is great. For God so loved the world. But the reality is, God so loved us. He so loved us. If we were the only person who ever lived, he came for us. Paul in this marketplace of educated people, in this marketplace of, of philosophers and debaters and educationally the top of their game in Athens, he just kept it really simple. This is who Jesus is and this is why Jesus came. And what worked in Athens, Greece, all these years ago, works at Kennesaw State and Ackworth, Georgia and North Cobb High School and, and the streets of Kennesaw, it, it works the same. Why? Because it's not complicated. It's simple. We do such a great job complicating stuff. So I work with baseball players. That's probably come up once or twice. And so I'm, I'm, I'm with baseball kids a lot. And so this was two or three years ago, I was sitting in the bullpen and we had a kid that was really struggling. And I said, all right, tell me what you're thinking when you're on the mound, okay? Because your job is, we're gonna check your baseball knowledge. Your job as a baseball pitcher is to throw what? Very good, all right? And so, y'all are very educated in baseball, right? And so, your job's to throw strikes. I said, what are you thinking? I mean, you're walking the, the house, all right? So, what are you thinking when you're on the mound? This is what he said. This is straight. I'm just telling you what the kid told me. He said, I'm, you know, coach, when I'm out there, I gotta get my scap tightened, and I gotta, and I'm like, okay, you've lost me at scap. I have no idea what you're talking about. Here's what I want you to do. Stay on top of the ball. Keep your fingers on top. And he looked at me like, coach, that's just way too easy. Yeah, it is. Baseball's not hard. You gotta stay on top of the ball. Don't worry about your scap. Do that with your guy that you pay in the off season, all right? But while you're on the field and we're in a real game, you gotta keep it simple. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've got a friend you're sharing with at work or at KSU or wherever, and they're like, man, I wanna know more about God, don't go, would you start with me in Leviticus? All right, let's read through Leviticus and we're gonna talk about the, that's all great and it's good, but keep it simple, right? And number three, and this is the big one, expect resistance, be patient, and join God where he's working. Expect resistance. I'm gonna tell you something, and this is not sexy, this is not make you want to come back. Um, living for Jesus is not easy. 
That's why most people don't do it. It's not. Being a parent in this world, how many of y'all have children? Raise your hand. And by the way, I have learned, I have 20-year-olds, you never stop parenting, all right? And just to let you know, some of you are like, when they graduate, <laughs> they just get more expensive, all right? And so you never stop parenting. Being a parent now, it's hard. When our kids were growing up, and Ann and I had rules, and we had values, and we had things that were important to us, that meant that our kids didn't fit in with their friends, that was not easy. When they're looking at you and all their friends are going to do something and they didn't get to go. And they got to hang out with us. Congratulations, all right? And so, they're, they're at house, sorry, we're watching Dateline again, all right? And so, but it's not cool. But I remember, I remember hearing years ago, I heard a guy say, if we try to be their friend till they're 18 and we're never their parent, we'll never be their friend. But if you'll choose to be their parent, you can be their friend later. That's a good word. That's a good word. And not from me, it's from somebody else. The one quote I give from somebody else you clap for. But anyways, so I don't understand, I don't know how to take that. But anyways, listen, it's not easy. Expect resistance. Expect resistance from your kids. Don't let it surprise you. <clears throat> Years ago, in this room, we brought in a church futurist named Leonard Sweet. This is like 2001. This is a long time ago. He told all about where the church is going, and it was all great. But he made one statement that day that was spot on, and I've, I've thought about it a thousand times. Leonard Sweet said, we live in a world and we feel like they're abnormal, and as a Christ follower, I'm normal. He said, no, 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 no. They're normal. You as a Christ follower are abnormal. You're abnormal. Well, it's exactly what Paul said. We're strangers and aliens here. This is not home anymore. And if we're gonna make a difference, you better know that you're gonna be going upstream. You're not always gonna fit in. Your values aren't gonna be everybody's values. Your things that are important to you aren't gonna be important to everybody else. It's just not gonna be. Expect resistance, but then listen, be patient. Think about this, yes or no. Were there times it would have been easier for Paul to quit, yes or no? You better doggone believe it would have been. Everywhere the poor guy went, he was getting run out. Everywhere God led him, he was getting smoked out of town. But he knew God was doing something. And long after Paul would leave an area, God would begin to work and the seeds that he planted would begin to grow. Be patient. God's working. I want you to write this down. Where I am now, I want you to write this down. Where I am now is not the end of the story. Just go write that down. So maybe you're in the best season of your life right now. Where you are now is not the end of the story. Maybe you're in the worst season of life right now. Where you are now is not the end of the story. Everywhere Paul was, 
He was following where the Lord led him. He knew God was working and he trusted it and he kept walking. There will be a day that all the craziness of this world will make more sense. But here's the bad news it may not make sense now. It may not make sense in this moment. But if we keep walking and we keep trusting, if we go downstream, we have no influence in this culture. People notice when people go upstream. Because they're like, there's something different about them. Why would they act like that? I remember this years ago. Seems like we've been on a baseball theme this morning. But a year, years ago, there was a guy that played first base for the Atlanta Braves named Sid Bream. Many of you remember where you were when Sid slid in 1992 and went across home plate and it was an amazing night. Well, what we all forget is probably two years later, <clears throat> Sid hit a slump and the Braves traded for a guy named Fred McGriff from the San Diego Padres. So McGriff comes to Atlanta, Sid Bream goes to the bench. Sid, the Atlanta hero, goes to the bench. Fred McGriff's first night with the Braves, first night with the Braves. He hits two, I think two home runs. There was a fire in the press box and he hits two home runs. What I remember about it's this, I was listening to the radio that night. Skip Carey was the old Braves commentator and he, McGriff hits his first home run and you could hear the roar of the crowd and people are going crazy. And Skip Carey said this, I'll never forget as long as I live. He said, well look who's standing at the top of the dugout to welcome him in, Sid Bream. And then he said this, this is the word I remember. Why should that surprise any of us? That's just who Sid Bream is. Sid Bream loved Jesus and followed him and led their chapel services and walked with Jesus. Here's a commentator watching it play out going, that guy always lives upstream. Why should that surprise me? He's hugging the guy who took his job. Upstream living always gets noticed and it always makes a difference. Would you pray with me? Maybe you walked in this morning and you go, man, Mike, I am in the middle of some key decisions. I wanna keep God in the forefront. It's gonna be upstream, but it's doable. Just pray for the Lord to encourage your spirit today. Maybe you're in that season of parenting right now and you go, man, Mike, I, we're trying to do it like the Lord wants it done, but it's hard. Would you pray that the Lord give, would give you patience and know that he's working? Maybe you're here today and you say, Mike, I've been coming, I'm religious. But it's like when, when they put the slides up, that Jesus lived for me. He rose from the dead for me. And he offers me hope and forgiveness. It was like all the lights came on. And I got it.
Would you just tell the Lord, thanks for coming into my heart? That simple. Father, I pray for a group of people. If five or 10 went upstream, we could change a community. If a hundred, we could revolutionize them. A thousand, there'd be seismic shifts in the way people are loved and the way people live. God, I pray for some upstream livers in a downstream world. God, thank you for our time with you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.